Justin Trudeau touches down in the flood zone. This has been the operation center. What the feds can do to help and how farmers face years of recovery. The new variant of concern. It is considered unusual in that it has a very high number of mutations. The COVID mutation they're calling Omicron and what the experts are learning about it. And the first sign of the Grinch. We're seeing a shortage across North America. Why Christmas trees will be in short supply this year. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking news. The Transportation Ministry is proactively closing several stretches of highway in advance of the next round of storms to hit BC. Environment Canada has issued its first ever red level alert and the province is advising you to stay home if you can. But if you do have to go out, take steps to stay safe. Kylie Stanton reports. Almost as soon as highways reopened, they're closing again. Late Friday, the Ministry of Transportation and Infrastructure making the decision to close Highway 3 between Hope and Princeton, Highway 99 between Pemberton and Lillooet, and Highway 1 between Popcom and Hope and the Fraser Canyon as of Saturday afternoon, a precautionary measure as new storm fronts approach. We've got significant weather events on the way. We don't know how hard they're going to hit. This is just surreal. For nearly two weeks now, communities throughout BC have been in rescue and recovery mode, waiting for the floodwaters to recede to get to work cleaning up the damage. But the worst may not be behind us. These are extraordinary times, definitely. According to Environment and Climate Change Canada, this has been the wettest fall on record for several spots in southwestern BC. On top of the massive storm that hit mid-month, Thursdays brought another 40 to 60 millimeters of rain, further saturating the soil. Another one is on the way for Saturday, with an even stronger system forecast through Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. These are coming back to back to back with very little time in between. The systems are not only expected to dump a lot more rain on an already vulnerable landscape, they're also packing a blast of warm air, which will shoot the freezing levels upwards, potentially adding snowmelt to the mix. We did see additional snow uh, accumulation, particularly at mid-elevations, and, and that's actually of uh, additional concern as we come into the, the next events. Also of concern, the Nooksack River. A flood watch has been issued by the U.S. National Weather Service. If it rises past its bank, it poses a huge risk to the already devastated Sumas Prairie. Residents are also being warned of landslides, washouts and further infrastructure damage. The three highway closures will be re-evaluated on Sunday morning and will reopen when it's safe. So for now, we wait. But if history repeats itself, there's hope this time around. Preparation will go a long way. Because weather, uh, rain, flooding knows no boundaries. And we know that that's occurred and that, you know, has the potential of occurring again. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
Okay, let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Schell now. Yvonne, a lot of concern about this next storm about to hit us. Yeah, and it's an atmospheric river, so this is storm number two, and it's going to take aim right along the south coast and bring uh, heavy rainfall as we get into both days out of the weekend. Now, the timeline, it'll start to develop as early as the morning hours for most areas across the island. It picks up through the afternoon across metro Vancouver, and some of the heaviest rainfall will be for Saturday night leading in towards Sunday. That's we'll see the heavy rain right across the region before it starts to ease off late in the day. Now, the rainfall warning that's across Metro Vancouver, anywhere between 60, potentially up to 100 millimeter, 120 millimeters. That'll be for high, for the mountains, rather, extending into the Fraser Valley, southern regions of Metro Vancouver, up to 60 millimeters, and a significant amount for the western edge of the island between 100 to 130 millimeters. So the heaviest rain, Saturday, leading in towards our Sunday. That's storm number three. We also have some snowfall if you're traveling along the mountain passes. Additional rainfall amounts and we've got storm number three coming up very shortly. Chris. All right we'll check in a little, little bit later. Thanks Yvonne. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was in BC today touring flood zones and meeting with Premier John Horgan. Richard Zussman has been following the PM's tour and has more on the goal of this visit. Richard. Sophie, the meeting is now underway between the Prime Minister and Premier John Horgan and the first topic of conversation, those storms that you mentioned, uh, both the Prime Minister and the Premier watching very closely as British Columbia is expected to be hit hard by these storms. The other topic of conversation, money and how much is going to be on the table for British Columbia to help rebuild as BC focuses in not just on what we're going to see over the next week, but what we should expect down the road. It's going to be in the millions and millions of in the short term, in the billions in the long term. Uh, the Prime Minister in Abbotsford earlier today uh, meeting with the armed forces on the ground, touring one of the areas hardest hit by the storm. Transportation Minister Rob Fleming spoke earlier today about what should be expected out of today's meeting. The Prime Minister being here is very important to meet with uh, our provincial uh, cabinet um, and tour the damage because seeing is believing and certainly the support we've had from the federal government has been exemplary. Uh, the reports I've updated people on in terms of the supply chain reactivation, um, federal provincial cooperation was essential for that. Uh, Richard, what sort of timeline are they looking at for rebuilding? That's going to be one of the questions, Sophie, I ask when the Prime Minister and Premier John Horgan are here in about 10 to 15 minutes' time. They will take some questions. We will have a discussion around what sort of timeline we're looking at. We know the Coquihalla goal for commercial is the end of January, but it's going to take a lot longer, and getting rebuilt in this province is going to take months and months and likely years and years. The other question as well, Sophie, is going to be about how much money is going to be on the table. No doubt the B.C. government uh, and British Columbians are hoping hoping that the federal government's checkbook will be wide open to help uh, recover from uh, this storm and as we brace for the storms coming up, whatever uh, mm -hmm. trouble may be ahead of us. Absolutely. All right, thanks for that. We'll check back in with you uh, a little bit later when that Q&A press conference gets underway. Richard, thank you. Well, as Richard mentioned, even though there's no timeline, the recovery process for flooded Fraser Valley farms is expected to take years and very likely cost billions of dollars. Beyond the financial impact, though, the floods have also taken a huge emotional toll on the farmers. As Nitu Garcha shows us, many have been working the land there for generations. It's, it's hard to put into words. Depression, sadness. The work of three generations of Avtar Sandu's family, including his son and nephews, is now underwater. 
everything our parents have built up and our aunts and uncles or grandparents just to wash it just to watch it get washed away it's heartbreaking i myself have inventory in my cooler uh, cauliflower just floating around. With millions of dollars and a Western Canadian hub of fresh local vegetable and berry produce at stake, they're determined to bounce back. Well, we just need all the help we can get right now. This is devastating, you know, where you can't even get into your homes. Your tractors are all underwater, um, but we won't give up. For the Gill family, 32 acres of blue have been wiped out. You know, it takes 10 years to get where we were before the flood. Flood insurance is, is not offered here on the plains. These families, still evacuated from their homes and farms, have been able to survey some damage by boat. And to give you an idea of how unrecognizable this landscape remains, this is where the Abbotsford Tulip Festival used to be. The owners of this property still in shock and feeling like all of this could have been prevented. The Tulip Festival and our other neighbors with perennials, it's all gone in one day sucks that you hear that there was lack of maintenance. I don't know if that's true, but if it is, that's I'm disappointed in our government. Amid allegations of a lack of dike maintenance to blame for this level of catastrophe, generations of family farmers in the Sumas Prairie hope their tragedy leads to a more proactive plan. If we rebuild and this happens again, it's all just going to be in vain. It's your entire livelihood. We'll come back stronger. That prevents their livelihoods from once again becoming casualties of a changing climate. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Abbotsford. Well, it'll be at least the middle of next week before oil and gas starts moving down the Trans Mountain Pipeline to the Lower Mainland. That line was closed almost two weeks ago by landslides. As John Hua reports, oil companies are racing to make up for the shortage with barges, trains and trucks. This is what it looks like living life, 30 liters at a time. Around half, then um, just fill up to like another quarter. Everyone following a quarter down. Their own fill up techniques. When it is um, almost uh, finishing. To prevent the province from running on empty. Supply is coming in in significant quantities right now by barge and, of course, by rail. But even though extra fuel is finding its way from the United States, the backup coming off these barges is not enough to fill the gas gap. Those are really stopgap measures, and uh, they do mean that the longer the Trans Mountain Pipeline is down, uh, the more likely it is that we're going to continue to see this, this sort of rolling uh, number of gas stations that have run out of fuel. Taking access and weather into account, pushing back the timeline. On November 24th, the pipeline company stated, Trans Mountain is optimistic that we can safely restart the pipeline in a reduced capacity by the end of the week. The latest update, we are working towards restarting the pipeline at a reduced capacity early to mid next week. It may be the right time to uh, reconsider some travel that is not necessary. I would urge people to do that. Many drivers we spoke to said they're already curbing their behavior to conserve on gas. I am uh, carpooling with my friend. I just pretty much get, get enough gas to get me and my kid around and that's it. An update on whether fuel restrictions will be extended beyond December 1st is expected on Monday. Best case scenario, we're not going to see anything until the first or second week of December and possibly right into Christmas before everything uh, gets back to what we consider normal. So whether you're heading to the pumps at three quarters full or hovering on the edge around empty, it's not just about when we fill up, but how much we're driving. John Hua, Global News.
Countries around the world, including Canada, on high alert for the Omicron variant, a COVID mutation that might be the toughest to stop yet. What we know about it and why it is such a concern. Next on the News Hour. Hollywood superstar and BC boy Ryan Reynolds pitches in to help flood victims. What he and his wife Blake Lively are doing to drum up support later. And after being fined thousands of dollars for breaking the rules and hosting parties in his penthouse, you won't believe what he's done since then. That's coming up on the News Hour tonight. Right now, though, another COVID-19 variant is prompting new concerns and travel restrictions. More on that in a moment, but first a look at our latest COVID-19 numbers. We have 341 new cases, 3,035 active cases now. 290 people are in hospital with 115 of those patients in the ICU. Six more people have died from complications of the virus. And 87.6% of eligible British Columbians are now fully vaccinated. The identification of that new variant and a global surge in cases is triggering fresh worries about the pandemic. Omicron has now been classified as a variant of concern by the World Health Organization. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, scientists say it could be more transmissible than the now dominant Delta variant. Just as air travel was set to pick back up ahead of the holidays, a major detour has blocked tens of thousands of travelers. The WHO has listed a new variant of concern labeled Omicron. This variant has a large number of mutations, and some of these mutations have some worrying characteristics. Researchers now have to determine if the mutations found on Omicron make it more transmissible, if the virus produces more severe illness, and crucially, if it can evade approved vaccines. There's so many mutations in the spike protein, there's some concern that uh, these will reduce the ability of the antibodies that we've developed from getting vaccinated to prevent infection. Canada has now joined dozens of other countries, including the US and EU, in blocking travelers from seven countries in Southern Africa. Canadian citizens and permanent residents can still return home, but only with a valid PCR test obtained in transit. It is just these seven countries, but we will constantly re-evaluate. Travel bans have proven ineffective in stopping variants of concern. There have already been Omicron-confirmed cases in Belgium and Hong Kong, with lower vaccination rates across much of Western Europe and almost non-existent vaccination in Africa. There is growing concern this new variant will only make a surging winter wave worse. Until there is a sustainable vaccine strategy for everyone in this world who, who, who wants a vaccine, you know, we're going to be dealing with this problem over and over and over again. The work to figure out Omicron's risk to public health could take up to two weeks. Pfizer and Moderna both say if Omicron can evade current mRNA technology, the formula can easily be tweaked. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. All right, Keith Baldry joins us with more. Keith, how concerned is the province about this new COVID-19 variant, Omicron? Yeah, I talked to Health Minister Adrian Dix today. Yes, uh, health officials are concerned, but not overly concerned just yet. Uh, but again, the B.C. government strongly backs Ottawa's move to ban travel from those African countries until more inf information is, and evidence is determined about this new variant of concern. But it's a new variant of concern. And B.C. does more of the genome sequencing testing here than almost every other, any other jurisdiction in the country. So we're going to be ahead of the curve in finding this variant. Here's Health Minister Adrian Dix. There are going to be variants of concern, and that's why we do 
the extent of whole genome sequencing that we do at the BCGDC, why we've got to continue to do that, and why we strongly support the federal government's actions today. And I think the action happened quickly, and we're very pleased with that. So the good news, as of right now, that variant of concern has yet to show up in B.C. or anywhere in Canada. But, of course, it took a while for the Delta variant to take hold in this country and elsewhere in the world. We'll just have to wait and see what happens with this new one. All right. Uh, we'll see what happens. Thanks for that, Keith. Up ahead, marking five years since a baffling disappearance. So it seems like it just goes on and on and on. A B.C. woman who vanished in Peru and the struggle to bring her former partner to justice. And later, that, uh, oh, that widespread flooding and what, might it, or what it might have done to B.C.'s fragile fish populations. We'll get it right. Vancouver's most notorious COVID-19 party host is back in jail. And as Jordan Armstrong reports, this time Mo Movisagi is going to stay there for a while. Serial party boy Mohamed Movisaji is back behind bars, this time for more than a single day. He was sentenced to 29 days in jail, uh, 12 months probation and a $10,000 fine. Police say the 43-year-old admitted to more parties in August. Wednesday, he was arrested. Thursday, he pleaded guilty to two counts of failing to comply with an order of the health officer and one count of selling liquor. The parties he was having were for profit. Movisaji was first arrested in January. After several complaints, he was running a makeshift nightclub, complete with stripper pole, in violation of the pandemic public health order. In April, a rebuke from a judge who compared him to a drug dealer selling deadly fentanyl. The judge then gave him one day in jail. BC's director of civil forfeiture is still trying to seize the penthouse party palace at Telus Garden. The government filed suit in September, going after Movisaji for proceeds of crime. Last month, Movisaji filed a response to the civil forfeiture action. He denies the majority, or 50, of the 60 paragraphs of claims made against him. The penthouse is still listed for sale, but now with a reduced price of $3.2 million. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. A man is facing attempted murder charges after firing at an RCMP detachment in Vanderhoof. Paul Nicholas Russell is accused of driving up to the detachment and firing multiple times, sending bullets flying through the windows and a dozen employees inside throwing themselves on the ground for cover. The RCMP commander in the north says it's remarkable no one was hurt. After a short chase and with tips on the suspect flooding 911, Russell was arrested. RCMP believe it was a targeted attack. It prompted the first ever use of a police emergency alert in B.C. A Chilliwack man who went to Texas for a Dallas Cowboys game has gone missing. Aaron Schritter was last seen at 3 in the morning Thursday, leaving a nightclub in downtown Dallas. He hasn't been heard from since. He traveled to Dallas with a group of friends for the Cowboys' Thanksgiving football game, but he didn't show up at that game. His family has checked area hospitals and his credit cards have not been used. They filed a missing persons report with Dallas police. Schritter is described as 29 years old with brown hair and hazel eyes. It's a somber anniversary for a B.C. family as they continue to fight an international battle for justice for their daughter. Kimberly Kasatkin was last seen alive November 26, 2016. 
Romina Dea has an update on the case and talks to her family who's still fighting to bring the man accused of her murder to trial. It's five years now that Kim went missing with no answers. An exhausting and frustrating fight for Kimberly Kasatkin's family. I get angry at the injustice. It seems like it just goes on and on and on. Justice grinding to a halt again in Lima, Peru. On Thursday, Kasatkin's mother says lawyers for her daughter's partner, Christopher Franz Betaki, asked a judge to vacate Franz's arrest warrant because he's too sick to continue life on the run. You know, that's not a valid excuse as far as I'm concerned. For five years, it has been calculated and manipulated to protect this, this one guy. Lima, November 26th, 2016. It is the last time Kasatkin is seen alive. Her body has never been found. But chilling surveillance video from the couple's building reveals Franz moving a large bag he can barely lift. According to court evidence, Kasatkin's body is suspected to be inside. Franz says he's innocent, claiming the bag he's dragging contains camping gear. Franz is now a fugitive. He's been charged with femicide, the killing of a woman under Peruvian law. A criminal trial impossible until he's arrested. The Kasakins say Interpol assured them last month the case is still active. I really want to have faith that, that, that they really are looking. 17 trips to Peru in five years. The Kasakins have spent their retirement savings hunting for the truth and fighting for access to their grandchildren, now 11 and 8. They are currently living with the accused's mother in Lima. We love them unconditionally. I just want them to know that there's no way that their mother left them. The next court date in the criminal matter, December 3rd. But where does it end? I do still have a little bit of faith because I don't want to completely give up on getting the justice for Kim. But as time goes on, it's just going to be harder and harder to kind of to hold on to that hope that there will be some kind of answers. Romina Dea, Global News. Still ahead, new rules that could criminalize behavior like this. Tell the truth, you f***ing liar! Proposed amendments to the criminal code to keep health care workers and patients safe. And Vancouver's Ryan Reynolds and wife Blake Lively encourage their millions of fans to give to BC Flood Relief. Watch the Global News and 980 CKNW Leadership Series every Saturday and Sunday in partnership with Fortis BC. That's energy at work. Good evening. It's been super slow off the North Shore all day at the Lionsgate Bridge, and it's still pretty lined up on Marine from North and West Vancouver right to mid-span on the bridge. Planning a trip with BCAA Travel Insurance, you get free COVID-19 medical coverage and worldwide virtual care from BC's top choice. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. All right, returning now to the Prime Minister's visit to BC's flood zone. He toured the Sumas Prairie today to get a sense of the damage there. Had a meeting with Premier John Horgan, and both of them are addressing the media right now in Victoria. Let's listen into that live right now. Million dollars straight to First Nations communities immediately uh, to help them through this moment. 
and over $4 million for the Port of Vancouver. Uh, and as John just said, uh, really pleased that the federal government and the provincial government are matching donations with the Red Cross. So $1 donated by you results in $3 of support uh, for people on the ground who desperately need it. So as always, as Canadians are watching across this country and uh, hearts are going out uh, to folks who are working really, really hard to rebuild their lives and build a stronger future, um, send them your support because this is what we do as Canadians. We're there for each other. Premier and I uh, spoke about the support that's needed both right now and into the weeks and months and yes, years to come. And we will be there, whether it's immediate support on saving livestock, uh, supporting our farmers who have our backs year in and year out, we need to and will have theirs. Uh, we met uh, today, uh, Minister Blair and Minister Farnsworth and I uh, met with uh, frontline workers and responders. Uh, and it's amazing to see the strength, the resilience, but also the pride of people who've been working long hours, back-breaking uh, work as community volunteers, leaders, armed forces members, being there for each other. But it's not going to be enough for us to just be there. Yes, yeah, now. Prime Minister obviously acknowledging all the work that people are doing to help BC recover and pointing out the fact that the federal and provincial governments are matching money that's donated to the Red Cross, which is a good way to give if you're thinking about doing mm -hmm. that. Uh, obviously, uh, the questions will be asked about immediate help, but uh, as the Prime Minister talked about, this is long-term recovery. Uh, we know it'll take months and years for things to get back to normal in the flood zones. But we'll have more for you on uh, the Prime Minister's visit to B.C. on B.C. One tonight and on Global News at 11. In the meantime, British Columbians, of course, are tallying up the damage from the devastating floods over the past 11 days. But in the depths of the province's swollen rivers sits an economic impact we may never fully calculate. Millions of fish eggs exposed and washed away as floodwaters swept down sensitive habitat. Paul Johnson has the story. the devastation in the Fraser Valley from BC's flooding disaster. But there's possibly another mass die-off event that's happened that's harder to see. The offspring of two or three million salmon in the main stem Fraser uh, might have been heavily impacted. Some of the worst of the flooding overlapped with some of the world's most productive and sensitive salmon habitat. Over the Fraser River by Strawberry Island. A region scientists call the heart of the Fraser. The winding maze of gravelly channels between Abbotsford and Hope, where millions of pink salmon laid their eggs only about a month and a half before the deluge. Once the embryos are washed out of the gravel, they just predators eat them, they get smothered, it's, it's over for them. BCIT fisheries scientist Marvin Rosenau is among a number of experts and conservationists who expect the flooding event to be another blow to BC's declining salmon stocks. Concerned about egg destruction in some places, but also the death of juvenile and mature fish that got trapped after high water receded. These photos were shot recently on the Coquihalla River near the Othello Tunnels. They go up into the shallower, slower water, and then when the river drops, drowned. Unlike the impact on farm animals, which was immediately understood, 
The scope of the effect on salmon may only be known in years to come. The offspring of those pinks that just spawned in the Fraser wouldn't return for another two years. And Rosenau suspects if the damage is as bad as it could be, more fishing restrictions may be needed. Though the resilience of salmon can also be surprising, as seen by these images of spawners wriggling across a road recently near Langley. Paul Johnson, Global News. B.C.-born actor Ryan Reynolds is stepping up to help flood-ravaged communities. Reynolds tweeting this picture out saying he and wife Blake Lively made a donation to Red Cross Canada to help the many residents struggling because of the flooding. He says his home of B.C. continues to battle this crisis and adds that homes, roadways and other structures will take time to rebuild. They are encouraging others to donate if you can. And remember, the federal and provincial governments will match it at redcross.ca. Well, the federal government is introducing legislation that would amend the criminal code to protect health care workers and patients after protests caused disruptions across the country earlier this year. This type of behavior is abhorrent and it's unacceptable, particularly at a time when access to health care services is more critical than ever. The new legislation would make it a criminal offense to obstruct or intimidate any person attempting to access a health care facility. There would be more severe penalties for offenders who target health care workers engaged in their duties. The maximum penalty for those convicted would be 10 years in prison. Would be nice to see those protections for journalists, too, because they've taken some punches as well. Still ahead, supply chains chopped. A lot of my trees from Cranbrook are stuck in Cranbrook. How a Christmas tree shortage could impact the holidays. And coming up in sports, TGIF for the Canucks trying to break their slump. Here's the Wines of British Columbia question of the day. According to traditional food and wine pairing techniques, what types of foods pair best with BC ice wine? A. Salty snacks, chips, nuts, pretzels. B. Holiday desserts, cakes, and puddings. C. Spicy foods, hot peppers. Stay tuned after the break for the answer. The answer to the Wines of British Columbia question of the day is B. Sweet pairs best with sweet. BC ice wine pairs very well with desserts. Our 2021 Global News and 980 CKNW Leadership Series in partnership with Fortis BC continues this weekend. Our final interview is with Tierra Fraser. Fraser is the founder and CEO of Esquayo Air, the first Indigenous woman-owned airline. She sat down with Michael Newman to discuss the challenges of getting to where she is today. You know, I didn't make school a priority and, um, you know, people... I. I heard people say, you know, you're going to be just like your mother. You know, I've said before, you know, I think I was, um, people didn't see me as someone that was going to um, succeed in life. The interview airs this Saturday, November 27th on Global BC at 10 and on BC One Sunday at 10.30, 11.30 and 2.30. All right, we're almost in the thick of storm number two. Maybe we are in the thick of it. I haven't looked outside in a while, but we got storm number three on the doorstep. Two, 
Lots to watch in weather with Yvonne Shell. Yeah, this evening it'll just be cloud cover with a bit of drizzle. And then it really does start to pick up for tomorrow with some of the heaviest rainfall. Please be prepared. It'll be Saturday night leading in towards our Sunday. 60 and up to 120 millimeters is possible, especially along the mountains and extending in towards the Fraser Valley. Southern regions of Metro Vancouver, anywhere with up to 60 millimeters. The island, eastern areas between 50 and 70 and the western edge between 100 to 130 millimeters with the rain beginning as early as the morning hours for many areas across the island. Also seeing the flood potential with the high stream flow advisory for all areas in yellow. The flood watch though, Metro Vancouver and along the Sunshine Coast, it included within that. With the river levels rising, it may exceed Bankfall, so we'll be watching this very closely for both days out of the weekend and into early next week with storm number three set to arrive on our Tuesday leading into Wednesday. Freezing level, this will be a big concern over the weekend, rising over 2,000 meters, 2,500 meters is possible. Snow melt will be a big concern and runoff and the rainfall that we're expecting for both days out of the weekend. And then another surge in the freezing level for our Tuesday to Wednesday, and that'll be storm number three. Highway forecast Saturday afternoon into Sunday, Eagle to Rogers Pass, a winter storm watch with up to 25 centimeters and freezing rain possible for Saturday night. If you're traveling along the mountain passes, we do have a rainfall, potentially 40 and up to 60 millimeters for the Coquihalla as well as the Allison Pass. We are seeing wet and windy conditions inland tomorrow. Terrace could even see some freezing rain in the mix for Saturday night. Much of the southern interior could see some wet flurries changing over to rain and windy conditions for all areas along the south coast will pick up towards the evening hours. So the heaviest rainfall for the weekend, Saturday into Sunday, and storm number three will be for Tuesday into Wednesday. Tonight's weather window, calm before the storm. This one captured in Hidewai, taken by Lisa. Guys? Lovely. Sure is beautiful when the sun's shining up there, no doubt. Thanks, Yvonne. This year's extreme weather is teaming up with COVID supply chain issues to have an effect on the supply of Christmas trees this holiday season. As Kristen Robinson reports, last week's floods have made the problems even worse caused by this summer's heat dome. Everyone and their dog is on the hunt for the perfect slice of holiday tradition. But just to make sure we have a chance to get a tree because don't know what it's going to be like this year. Tend to overreact as consumers, but you just never know. The Canadian Christmas Trees Association says there's a supply shortage across North America, driven by increased demand during the pandemic. But the odds are also stacked against growers and sellers in the Pacific Northwest. Unfortunately, B.C. has been hit very hard this year with weather extremes. The summer heat dome and now a flooding disaster. For 10 years, you know, you have nurtured those trees and then for this to happen, it is it is devastating. These rains and that heat dome, we've never had that in our lives. Gord Ferguson's Richmond lot is stocked. 75% of his pre-cut alpine firs arrived from Merritt before the storm, but his delivery guy was stranded for days. There's still 100, of, 100 trees of mine sitting in his yard. I never thought it was such a bad little tree. All of his cheaper Charlie Brown trees are stuck in Cranbrook due to Highway 3 delays. I've never seen anything like this at this time of year. Arthur Lowen has been growing trees since 1970. These were underwater in Chilliwack for a week, but will survive. With the highway back open, customers are returning, and he's able to ship his cut wholesale trees. Heavy rain is not going to stop us. Lowen expects to lose up to 1,000 younger trees. Our temperatures hit 
45 degrees. Much of BC's inventory comes from Washington and Oregon, also hit hard by high temperatures. Canada's $100 million a year Christmas tree industry exports about $49 million, mostly to the U.S. With U-cut farms expected to run out early, you may want to secure the stock and strap it down before it's too late. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The Charlie Brown Christmas tree, that's all you need. So just a little one, a little branch. All right, Squires here now. Anything, best part anything about, to hope for? Or? Well, I was just going to say the best part about the Charlie Brown Christmas special is when they dance. It is. <laughs> that one guy dances like this. I love that. <laughs> kind of okay. All right, so the Canucks had more shots on goal, but Columbus had more goals. Blue Jackets turn to pressure. Roslovic lets it go. He scores! Yes, another game that sinks the Canucks further into the abyss. Also tonight, satellite debris. We should put that in that. Further into the abyss didn't sound good heading into the break. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I tell it like it is. Yes, you do. Uh, Before tonight's game with Columbus, the Canucks shot down a story that was saying there was a divided dressing room between guys who listen to Bull Horvat and guys who listen to J.T. Miller. I'm not really sure how anyone would know that unless there's a fly in the wall with a really teeny GoPro camera. The bigger question is, the players, are the players listening to Travis Green? And how much longer will Travis Green be around? Because the Canucks lost again tonight. Canucks are on a power play. And now Gustav Nyquist has basically a breakaway. Elias Pettersson couldn't cut him down, and Thatcher Demko couldn't stop him, although that is a very nice shot. one nothing for Columbus. And it was actually Tanner Pearson who gave the puck away originally. Okay, now the uh, Blue Jackets give the puck away. It's Pod Colson and Pettersson in a low well in two-on-one. And Pod Colson makes a nice shot. So it's tied now. 1-1, that was a goal very late in the first period. Second period, lucky bounce here. Adam Bolquist is there, although Tyler Mott should have picked him up. So now the uh, Blue Jackets are back in front 2-1. So that's why he was so wide. Chance for Bo Horvat and the Canucks here. Miller to the net, but Elvis Merlikens with the save. And Merlikens was great tonight. Uh, this is a nice play by Chason, gets the puck back to Quinn Hughes, and it's deflected in by Tyler Mott. So a checking line scores. If the other guys aren't going to score, the checking line can score. 2-2, second period. To the third period we go, and the Canucks were dominating after two periods. It outshot the Blue Jackets 29-10. Now, the Blue Jackets missed two shots here in this sequence, but the third shot by Jack Losovich does not miss. Demko did not even see that. Three to two. Here's a chance for Connor Garland. Nice pass by Tanner Pearson. This time a nice pass by Pearson, but another nice save by Merzlikens. Net is empty. Max Domi. Goodnight. Drive safely. Blue Jackets win. Four to two. Boston on Sunday. A lot of games today. Of course, it's a big weekend down south. Thanksgiving weekend. Look at this save by Jeremy Swayman. Look at this. Off Mika Zibanejad. I'll show it to you three times. It's so good in this Boston Rangers game. 
But he couldn't stop all of them, and the Rangers would win this game 5-2. This is what was the winning goal. Artemi Panarin. Now, Artemi Panarin scores, and then later in the game, he's no longer happy. He's upset at Brad Marchand. Here. Usually when you drop your gloves, you fight. But when you're on the bench, all you can do is throw and yell. I'm surprised Brad Marchand has upset somebody. Uh, three women from Canada's Olympic champion soccer team are finalists for the Ballon d'Or. The Ballon d'Or. Or the Golden Ball. I'm very bad at French. The Golden Ball. Let's just say that. Uh, it's the award that goes to the best women's soccer player in the world for 2021. Christine Sinclair, Ashley Lawrence, Jesse Fleming. They are among 20 finalists and the winner will be announced on November 29th. No Canadian men are a finalist on the men's side. Okay, Bryson DeChambeau against Brooks Kepka. These two men do not like each other. But they like to make a lot of money, and they played a match for money today. Wow. Sid where? Sid it did, right next to the third. And it was Kepka all the way. Four and three. He basically destroyed the shamble today in Las Vegas. I want to show you this. Watch the uh, right side of your screen, number 16, the wide receiver. Now, this is a good way to get the attention of the defense. When the offense wants to run a one-yard plunge for a touchdown, everybody got watching the gymnast, <laughs> and they scored. Man, that was impressive. It's a strategy. It was a strategy. I'd like to see a professional team try that. <laughs> All right, thanks, Squire. You're welcome. All right, we're back with Satellite Debris next. We'll work on the music selection. <laughs> we were talking about it. We've been working on it for decades. It hasn't really changed. All right, Squires here with Satellite Debris. Okay, we're just going to do two segments today in Satellite Debris, and both will feature Christmas commercials. Starting with this one. Bingo. Watch out with that thing. Charles living in Spain, Uncle Gary. Amazing. We like it. At little, we're big on quality and always little on price. And we mean always. Bingo. Let me take a picture. Oh, watch out with that thing. <laughs> Living on the moon. Amazing. We like it. If there's a spare one going back, see. Bingo. Let me take a picture. Oh, watch out with that thing. How's <laughs> oh. living forever? We like it. Okay, I thought you'd go vegan. Even when we're carving turkeys with lasers, we'll always be little on price. I like that one. Mm -hmm. Okay, this one I showed a couple of years ago. Um, I think it's from Sainsbury's over in the UK. It's a Christmas concert uh, with a song I believe was done by the New Radicals. Here we go. Wake up, kids. We got the dreamers' disease. Age. 
always, Squire, puts a nice bow on the end of what's been a very busy mm-hmm. week. I like, to, I like the plug is magic mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. That's a it great idea. It is the idea. best part. And the queen. And the queen. Very good. All right. Uh, tune in to BC One tonight at 8 o'clock. Uh, as we mentioned, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has been in BC today touring Sumas Prairie, talking about uh, flood relief. So we'll run that press conference for you at 8 tonight on BC One. In the meantime, have a, I think we're signing off now, right? Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks very much for watching. Good night, all. <laughs> See ya.